Okay, everybody. Um, if the setup looks a little bit differently today, it is uh, because unfortunately, due to some uh, holiday travel, my charming co-host Joseph Stanford will be unable to join me today. Um, he might be uploading a video by himself later on, uh, but I wanted to get something up this week. Um, and then, of course, you know, next weekend we will return to our to our normal format. So, unfortunately. Um, it'll be a solo run today, but nonetheless, a lot of fun. So uh, thank you for joining us today on the Roses and Rhetoric podcast. This is episode number 12. As always, we'll just start by giving out the uh, different platforms that people can follow us on. We're on Twitter at Roses underscore Rhetoric and also our website, rosesandrhetoric.com. And then lastly, as of uh, maybe two weeks now, we've been doing videos on youtube as well those are just video recordings of this podcast so be sure to check us out on youtube you can find us by searching for roses and rhetoric our channel should come right up uh, as always if you find the content enjoyable be sure to like share and subscribe and uh, follow us on on twitter follow us on the on the blog you can uh, subscribe to the blog as well making sure that you're staying up to date on all of the uh, announcements and all of the uh, content that we are putting out on the website. Not all of the content that we put on the website is covered on the podcast. Uh, Joe and I, I think both have, have put some material on the on the blog that is not covered on the podcast. It's kind of a encouragement, if you will, maybe an incentive to drive some traffic to the website. So um, without further ado, we'll kind of get into a couple of uh, topics that I was thinking about this week. And then I wanna cover uh, an article that I wrote, uh, what I think is the definitive guide to allergy season for uh, the next few months. You know, we're kind of coming out of winter and of course we're still dealing with COVID, but as we shift towards, you know, in, in, the, in the next few months back into spring, um, I know that a lot of people, including myself, will begin suffering from allergies. And so I put together what I think is the definitive guide for how to survive allergy season. And I'll be covering that later in this episode. Uh, but first, a couple of things that I wanted to cover. I wanted to start by actually uh, mentioning a couple of things that I should have said on last episode. Last episode, Joe and I were talking about uh, cheating in, uh, in an academic setting. And I basically said everybody that I knew had cheated. And I wanted to go back and actually say that is not true. That as I thought about it more during the week, there are people who I know that I do not think ever cheated in college. And so if, if I had people, um, if any of my, any of my uh, friends saw that episode and felt that I was not giving them credit, uh, they are right. Um, I, I, should, I should not have said that statement as definitively as I did. I definitely do know people who, who did not cheat uh, in college or you know, for that matter, high school as well. So I wanna make that clear from the, from the outco. The second thing I wanted to apologize for is that I was talking last week about um, about uh, the um, uh, Purdue Pharma. And I was talking about a court case that as far as I can tell actually is still ongoing. And so I should have been more careful in the, in the information that I was sharing. And I, I should have been more uh, careful about the way that I was speaking. Obviously, you know, it's very important in our legal system that every uh, defendant is, is assumed innocent until proven guilty. And so, and I, I put that clarification in, um, in the uh, description of the YouTube channel, or I'm sorry, of the, of the YouTube video. And then uh, I also um, commented to the tweet about the podcast as well saying, you know, just to be clear. Um, and I should have said that during the episode, I, I did not, I apologize for that. So um, if, if, on the odd chance, if on the off chance, somebody from Purdue Pharma 
saw that episode. This is me saying that I, I should have been more clear that that, that court case was ongoing and that we should, of course, be open to the defense uh, and what they have to say about the uh, things that I was sharing uh, from those from those uh, you know documents, basically from what I what I'm assuming was the BAG um, of uh, whatever state was was running that case. So, a couple of housekeeping things there. You know, basically, apologies on my on my part. All that falls on me. I apologize for that. Um, but anyways, with that being covered, I did want to move on to a couple of things that I was considering this week. So. You know, I, I've been I've been continuing my my love affair with uh, all of Nassim Taleb's work, continuing now essentially rereading on antifragility and trying to consider some some things in more detail than I would have when I first read it. Um, the the first time that I read the book, I, I got through it somewhat quickly and definitely found it to be enjoyable. But as I'm rereading it for a second time, I'm trying to to, to spend more time on uh, some of these concepts and that reminded me of, of, I think, a lesson or a, a, an aspect of reading that Joe and I had uh, talked about before. And that aspect was this idea of the difference between reading a book versus reading a synopsis. And while you may have all of the same information in a synopsis, the benefit of reading a book, among other benefits, one of them is that you're taking more time with those ideas. And so even if you if you read a book and it takes you five hours to read a book, you you may be able to get all of the same content in a you know short thirty second synopsis, but there is something to be said about spending that five hours with those ideas in your head. I think that that helps build a memory and helps build a kind of an intuition, if you will, uh, around those ideas. And so this go around as I'm reading Antifragility for now the second time, I'm trying to read it much more slowly to give myself more time with these ideas. And one of the ideas that I was thinking about that was, in, that was in this book was this way that purely through just probabilistic means, nature will tend to overcorrect for uh, barriers that it encounters. And so let me just give a real simple example of this. Imagine that there is a, is a population of numbers that exists randomly between one and 10 and Everything is going fine. If you were to if you were to take all of those numbers in that population and average them out, because there's a high number, you would expect it to be about the, the average to be around five. Okay. Imagine that a meteor strikes and kills every animal whose number is less than six. Okay. After the meteor strike, if you then took the average of all the numbers, it would be of course, much higher than five because everybody below five got killed by the meteor, but it would actually also be higher than six, that the average would be higher than the barrier that the population had to encounter. And so, and, and notice that this is all through probability. This has nothing to do with any foresight or anything of, of that sort. It's purely just by the fact that you have a distribution of you know, animals in this case and that the ones who survive are going to be at a certain portion of that distribution, but that, that surviving group is now the entire population. And so you now have taken a situation where those animals now have a, a, an average higher than the barrier that they overcame. And as they go to reproduce, they will have overcorrected to whatever calamity struck them in the first place. So kind of an interesting idea. Um, I was thinking that it would be fun to look for situations where that applies in biology. I think biology comes, comes to mind, obviously, but um, 
if you were to look at situations where you know cells or, or neurons or whatever it is may encounter some kind of barrier and then by just by virtue of the distribution end up overcompensating do we as a as a an, an organism do we have some kind of benefit from the uh, that characteristic now jumping up far above whatever barrier it had to overcome. And I'm, I'm sure there are many examples of that, but just kind of an interesting idea for how for how things evolve and how you can end up overcorrecting to a problem without having any foresight and without having any any uh, knowledge of the event beforehand. But just by existing on a on a distribution, you're not only giving yourself a chance to to have numbers above that barrier. But once you've overcome the barrier, the numbers that are left over, the population is better equipped to handle that kind of situation again. So kind of an, uh, an, an interesting uh, aspect of evolution um, that depends on, on things dying, in other words, in order to, for the population as a whole to benefit, the weaker members died, the stronger members survived, and as a result, the, the, the average, whatever that characteristic would be, uh, improve. So kind of an interesting idea. Um, I mean, obviously that's how you would think evolution would work, but what is interesting is not just that it overcomes the barrier, but that it actually overcorrects from the barrier. That is the, the that is the, 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 the takeaway here, that it overcorrects. They're not just six and above, but they, the average is much higher than just the barrier. So I think I've drummed on that piece enough, but it, it, it's something to think about and uh, Along those same lines, um, thinking about thinking about numbers uh, a little bit this week, and also just about when we solve problems, how important it is to consider the the entirety of the solution space. And this was something that I was thinking about uh, for now a couple of weeks. But um, I've my my brother and I every now and then we we start talking about math a little bit, and we were we were talking about. Uh, you know these these categories of math problems that are called graph and vertices problems. You don't need to know anything about that. All you need to know is that um, one way of solving these problems is just to try every single possible solution. And of course, in real life, it's very hard to do that. Particularly if you have a complex problem, it's hard to, to try every single every single number. But I, even though it may not be possible to try every number or every solution, I think it's still a good exercise to force yourself to consider what the entirety of the solution path actually looks like. And this doesn't have to be anything technical. I mean, I think even just in, in, in real life, we, we limit the perspective we have on solution spaces. And I think one way that we do that is with following uh, manners or you know, some kind of social etiquette in a in a situation where we might not want to just to give an, an easy example of this i think that if um all of us certainly my myself grew up in households where we we had a reverence for people that were older than us and so if you know if you were talking to somebody and an older person corrected you um even if you thought they were wrong there might be some kind of hesitation for talking back or something along those lines but in, in a way what that's doing is that's if, if, if your life is a series of events, when you're following rules you ought not follow, you are cutting paths to the future that you might take. And I, I think that fits in with this notion of the solution path because at, at, at each moment in life, we're faced with choices. And if we arbitrarily remove options from the table, then we are limiting the courses that, that our life could take, um, including some that we might find beneficial.
so, and I, I'm sure plenty of people, in fact, I know plenty of people talk about this idea of, you know, try not to just follow rules because they're rules, but follow rules only if they make sense. And I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think that fits in with this idea of the solution path and, and our, of the solution space and considering the whole, the whole space that don't, when you're faced with a, with a challenge in life, it's important to consider all your options and not to arbitrarily hinder yourself by uh, discounting things for bad reasons, you know, because it's rude or something like that. It may not be a real reason for not doing something. It, it, it might be, but it might not be. And so it's important to consider the whole of the solution space when faced with, with problems. I, I think that ties in with this other thing too that I was thinking about, which is just, you know, a general lack of imagination for whatever challenges life throw, throws our way. And I, and I certainly suffer from this as well, but um, it, it is important to truly try to see things for how they are and also to try to see things for how they might be. And that part of seeing the whole solution space is this idea of trying to increase your imagination so that in the future, if that same problem were to confront you again, you might imagine a different way of handling it than you have in the past. Let's see what else I have here. Uh, really, really missing the, the banter with uh, Joe right now. I imagine at this point, he would have stopped me several times and uh, you know asked me some, some questions, but uh, unfortunately it is uh, it's just me today. And so we will continue on with the list of questions. Um, I would just assume that Joe agrees with everything that I'm saying without question and uh, move on from there. Um, let's see here. I, I did watch a couple of good movies uh, this past week. Uh, so I kind of took a, a week off of work. My, my wife and I both took some vacation this week. And uh, during that vacation, we watched two good movies. Um, the first one we watched was called Super Dark Times, which was, uh, I guess is, a, a horror film. Uh, we watched it on Netflix, I believe. Super good movie, uh, kind of indie, I think, probably low budget. Um, somewhat of a, of a young cast, I, I, or of, a, of an unknown cast. I, I did recognize one person for, for sure um, from the, from the, the movie. Um, I recognized one of the actors from a TV show called uh, The Ozarks. Um, but a really good movie, very enjoyable, a good horror film, um, a, a good thriller, uh, you know, great pacing, all in all enjoyable. Wife and I both enjoyed that one quite a bit. The second one that we watched, I'll spend a little more time talking about because I just need to talk to myself to try to understand this movie actually was called Tenant. Now, this is the Christopher Nolan sci-fi movie that came out, um, I guess, probably maybe a couple months ago, um, not, not too long ago, maybe longer than that, but certainly in the past year, uh, you know, they made the decision to release it during, during COVID, um, which was an interesting uh, choice on their part, but any of it finally watched it we watched it on youtube you can you can buy it on youtube and we did and we watched it and i have to say that you know and i reserve the right to change my mind in the future but i think as of right now tenant is my favorite christopher nolan movie and i i say that as somebody who right now probably only understands about 65 percent of it uh, i'll say 69 percent for good measure despite that i still think it's really really good and in my favorite movie so i i, I hope that as i understand it more that I like it more, although perhaps that, that will no longer be the case. But the movie deals with time travel. And in my in, in my mind, a, it, the um, the way that they handled time travel in this movie uh, was much more enjoyable uh, in terms of the uh, cinematic experience than I think some people 
uh, felt when they watched Interstellar. I think some people felt that the time travel part of Interstellar, um, especially at the end when he's communicating with his daughter, is a little cheesy and you know not doesn't doesn't uh, fit in with the the movie a little bit. Um, I actually quite enjoyed that movie as well, but I know that some people really did not like that ending. That's fine. Um, this movie felt much cleaner in how it handled uh, time travel. I'm, I'm not going to give any spoilers. Um, I, I will eventually because I do want to talk about this movie quite uh, in depth because I really enjoyed it. But for this week, as kind of a primer, I will just say it was super good. Uh, very, very clean. Great acting. Um, Robert Pattinson did a fantastic job. I, I say that as somebody who, who saw Twilight in theaters no less than eight times, um, I think he is a phenomenal actor. He's actually a great actor. And so I, I wish him nothing but success. He did a fantastic job in this movie. So did John Washington. Uh, phenomenal lead role in this movie. Great acting. I thought both of them played tremendously well off each other. Great chemistry on set between the two of them. And uh, just really made for a, a, a... Nolan does such a good job with the... Um, that clean you know thriller spy type environment i mean even with uh uh inception you know he had that that aesthetic that was just so perfect and i he totally brought that in here with tenant and uh made it super enjoyable uh but really between the two lead actors between uh between washington and between pattinson phenomenal chemistry a great movie so anybody who watches this podcast, go out, watch Tenet. I'm going to try to get Joe to watch it as well. Eventually, maybe not next episode, maybe one after that. We'll do a nice segment talking about that movie, talking through some of the more complicated parts. And uh, obviously, you know, huge asterisks. You know, I will probably get it all wrong. Um, but it was enjoyable nonetheless. It was not an easy movie. I mean, it really was confusing. But I, I think, and I, I've heard other critics say this, it's okay for a movie to be challenging. It's okay for a movie to require multiple watchings to truly grasp what it, what it, what it is trying to get across in the plot. Uh, and this movie definitely meets that criteria. This is definitely a, 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 a multiple watcher, if you will. But uh, I've seen it twice and I enjoyed it both times. So I definitely recommend it. Um, I just wanna see here if I have anything else I wanted to cover on this kind of this solo episode. I might keep it pretty short. Um, I did have a, a piece that I wrote, like I said, the definitive guide to allergy season that I'll get to in just a moment. I'm just looking, look, I'm trying to review my notes, see if I have anything here I want to, uh, want to cover. Um, let's see here. I think, I think these other topics I want to keep for Joe, actually. I want to discuss these with him uh, and not just talk into a camera like a goober for, uh, you know, the next half hour. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to transition over to reading my uh, reading my uh, piece for this week. Um, I'll get this uploaded onto our into our YouTube channel, and I'll get our piece posted online as well. And then uh, hopefully Joe has a chance to get some content out as, as well. But if not, we will pick things up next weekend. Uh, we'll hit uh, you know hit the ground running. We'll get ready to tie into the into the new year and talk about the podcast. But now I'm going to transition over to uh, my article, which is called Allergy Season. Allergy season. The magical spectacle of neon lights drapes a cityscape. This town needs a hero. In your head, you are that hero. But the cries of suffering and calls for justice are muted by your congested sinuses. It's allergy season, and you are next. 
The onset of puffy eyes and a lone plugged nostril are warning signs. An initial feeling of panic is relieved by the memories, the countless memories, of the rough mornings that cleared up after a good teeth brushing and a hot shower. But by mid-morning, the panic returns. There's been no improvement. In fact, there is now a constant stream of mucus leaving your nose. And after struggling with gurgles in the back of your throat, you can see to the post-nasal drip. It's allergy season and you need medicine. You plunge your hands into the collection of medical supplies your family keeps in the kitchen, or maybe your family keeps it in the bathroom. Wherever you keep it, the contents are the same. A few stray packets of medicine, an old bottle of Tums, a rogue travel-sized bottle of shampoo, nail clippers, some loose change, and a white powder that permeates the container, the residue of a bygone era of baby powder application. But you're not looking for baby powder. You're looking for adult powder in pill form. You're looking for drugs, the hard stuff, pseudo-ephedrine. But there's nothing pseudo about it. This is the real deal, the kind of deal that needs a parental waiver. Medicine so potent, you actually read the dosage instructions on the back of the box. That is, if you can find the box. If not, you play it safe and take one. And then you remind yourself, you aren't a pussy. So you take another. It's allergy season. God help us all. You've now taken two little red pills. It's time to see how deep the rabbit hole goes. With lightning coursing through your veins, you begin taking risks, popping red pills and pushing yellow lights. The drugs cause a hyper-focusing of the mind. You begin pondering what a meaningful life looks like. Do we secretly wish for evil so we may rise to the occasion and destroy it? What does this say about rising to the occasion of ordinary life? What if we fail to achieve greatness in times of comfort? Are we caught in a cycle of destruction for the sake of creation? It's allergy season. God save us all. As the pills wear off, you come to in a room of strangers. In the distance, you hear the faint lecture about local antihistamines found in honey from the local shaman, aka some dork with a beanie and an online certificate to practice integrated medicine. Their mumblings barely reach your eardrums your swollen and plugged ear canals. You drift into your mind, taking advantage of the quiet solitude afforded by the out-of-control autoimmune response. It's allergy season, and you begin to see the strings that control the system. You started the day with a clean shirt, and by noon, you begun to mop up your runny nose with a sleeve. By evening, you've started using the bottom of your shirt, and before bed, you take your shirt off and use it to blow your nose. It's allergy season and you become the accumulation of filth. It's bedtime and you slip into a fever dream, pushing and pulling in the vacuum of space, grasping for anything in the free fall. You stretch out your arms and climb up a cliff only to jump off it once more, landing in the foamy ocean below. Mesmerized by the kaleidoscope sunset, you claw your way to shore and build your empire. And then you wake up, it's allergy season and you see the world keep turning. By now, others have joined you in sickness. You were just one in the masses of morons blowing your nose, pretending it makes a difference, blowing out your eardrums for the satisfaction of triggering the quote, pain means it's working neurons. Bloodshot eyes made the gaze of a disappointed face staring back in the mirror. We have been here before and we will be here again. We fight for change and accept the sameness. 
Has the future always been so familiar? It's allergy season and you don't have any answers. It's 4 a.m. and you're slowly pouring water into your nose with a neti pot. Water slips off your chest and catches the waistband of your boxers. You'll deal with that later. As you pour more water, more water spills down the rest of your body, finding its way to your socks. It's 4 a.m. It's allergy season and you have water in your nose and your clothes are wet. Defeat. Defeat is placing a tissue underneath your nose while you sleep. Defeat is breathing through your mouth. Defeat is pretending six hours have passed since your last dose. It's allergy season. Defeat is in the air. As the next day begins, you are consumed with the fact that when you die, all your ideas will die with you. We try so hard to think the right things. And in the end, what is the point? It's allergy season. There is no point. A sneeze is a breeze finding its way through a squeeze. In such a rush, it never asks, please. Think of all the things we never were creative enough to want. Our desires must be small in the eyes of God. It is allergy season, and it is nothing more than a disruption to the carefully prepared scribble-scrabble agenda of your life. And it's tonight, and it is now, and it's the cosmos, and it's the God mind, and it's you, and it's us, struggling for meaning with the finite chance that we don't go anywhere when we die. Could we go anywhere when we were living? And we're scared, and we're brave, and we're together, and we're alone. And it's morning, and it's allergy season, and your nose is still stuffy. Then, one morning, you are greeted with a clear nasal passage. You take a deep breath and feel the sunshine fall gently on your face. You remember that much of being ill is simply waiting to get better. It was allergy season and you survive. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, it was a little, uh, you know, a, a little sad today, you know, doing the first solo episode. Definitely, you know, we, uh, we all miss Joe on, on today's episode. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm happy that you were able to join us today. Episode number 12 of the Roses and Rhetoric podcast. Again, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find these videos Posted on YouTube, you can also find our uh, website, www.rosesandrhetoric.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter at roses underscore rhetoric. And if you enjoyed that piece about allergy season, please do feel free to share it. Um, I think that as time goes on, that will become the definitive guide to surviving allergy season. Um, you know, it's going to be the next few months. You know, we all going to have um, each other's backs out there when it comes to allergies. And so... You know, if you're uh, among, you know, with me and our, our, our fellow humans that suffer from allergies, you know, we're, we are all here for each other. So well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. So uh, for Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Hackett signing off for Joseph Stanford saying ciao, and we will see you next time. And I uh, hope you all have a good uh, vacation. If you're taking any time off for, uh, for winter break or for New Year's. Hope you're having lots of fun, and we will see you uh, next time. Thanks.